Well, welcome to The Porch. My name is Josiah, and I'm so glad that you decided to tune in with us tonight. Wherever you're watching from across the country and even the world, welcome and thank you, friends, in this room for being here. Appreciate that very much. Well, hey, we've been in a series called Fact Check over the last couple weeks where we are facing uh, really the, the, the truth about our faith and putting the claims of faith, uh, putting the claims that, that we hold true as Christians for thousands of years to the test. We're putting these truths on trial, so to speak. And so week one, we talked about this claim that God is still good and bad things happen. Uh, Last week, we talked about this claim that the Bible is the actual words of God. And tonight we pull up to this claim that many of you are probably familiar with. And that's the claim, Christianity is the only true religion. And even when I think about that claim, uh, I can't help but think, man, how do we know that? Like, like, how do we know that Christianity is the only true religion? Isn't it just like people's opinions? I mean, for, for so long, I mean, people just throw out different opinions here and there. And we love opinions, don't we? We live in a world where opinions are, are given freely. I mean, I love giving my own opinion. Uh, how many of you are watching The Last Dance? Uh, it's... Uh, basically a documentary of the Chicago Bulls and, and Michael Jordan. It happens every Sunday night at 8 p.m. And I love it. I've been tuned in the last two weeks. And, and basically, they're just uh, retracing what took place that final season where they had the dynasty together. Man, you should check it out for real, 8 p.m. on Sunday night. And so I got to thinking as I was watching the last two weeks, I couldn't help. And I'm going to go on record tonight to say that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Facts, truth, like that, there's just no debate, man. You're wrong if you say anything different, period. And, but here's, here's, here's the deal. There, there's another debate going on in our culture right now. And this one is more serious than the greatest basketball player of all time, the GOAT, Jordan. And it's really not so clear. It has to do with the coronavirus, the pandemic that's plagued our nation and the world. And people are debating, when should we get back to normal? How should we reopen the country? When should people go back to work? And man, if you've just turned on the news for five minutes, you'll see that, man, there's people debating all over when it comes to how we should restore our country. And it's pretty clear that everyone disagrees with what should be done. And it's, but it's just not clear on what is the right way. And everyone has their own opinions. And so I start there tonight because when I think about Christianity being the only religion, when I think about this word religion as a whole, it, it, it reminds me of uh, what, where, where I found myself 15 years ago in my college apartment where I just thought, hey, it's just really a matter of people's personal opinion and we can't really know what religion is true. And, and, and for Christians to claim Christianity is the only way, man, that just seems narrow-minded, that seems exclusive, that just, seems, that just seems wrong. And then I began asking questions like, man, how can we be certain that Christianity is the, the, the right faith, the right religion? 
Is it because we grew up here in America? I mean, what about the kid that grew up Islam in, in, in that family? I mean, he really didn't have a shot, did he? And then I would ask questions like, things like, isn't it arrogant and unloving for God not to be welcoming to all? I mean, these were questions that I was asking critically and, and trying to get answers. And maybe tonight you're here or you're watching online and you're asking questions similar to what I asked when I found myself in my college apartment wondering, man, is there anything outside of what I see underneath the sun? And so uh, most people, I would say, uh, in our generation, we're known as the millennials, would say, hey, uh, you know, really, all religions are pretty much the same. And we have facts to back it up. There's stats, I should say, on this thinking and belief. And here's where we get some of this uh, data. Right here, uh, it says, although 65% classify themselves as Christians, 43% said that it doesn't matter that religious, it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. 65% of people who claim to be Christians and 43% say that it really doesn't matter, just pick one. 70% of all major, uh, 70% of Christians and non-Christian religious groups say Many religions lead to eternal life. That was USA Today. 48% believe if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others, they will earn a place in heaven. 50% believe that all people are eventually saved or accepted by God no matter what they do. But when you start saying, hey, Jesus is the only way. Hey, there's only one way to get to God. That's when people are like, whoa, bro, like calm down, chill. That just does not, that seems way narrow-minded. Like that doesn't even seem like it's accurate. Man, we live in 2020. What are you talking about? You just need to calm down. And so tonight, can we fact check that? We're going to fact check, is Christianity the only true religion? So tonight I want you to see that Christianity is exclusive. And before we finish, I want you to see that Christianity is also very inclusive. We're going to be in Acts chapter four and the Bible is made up of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So if you go uh, to Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, just go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you'll find Acts. And we're going to be in Acts chapter four. And this is where Jesus died. He rose again and his followers are now bold men because what they have seen Jesus do. And there's a man named Peter, one of his disciples who stands up boldly and he's on trial for his faith because he's preaching There is no other way. And this is what he says in verse 11. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. So he's getting very personal, which has become the cornerstone or some translation says the chief cornerstone. In other words, hey, Jesus is the person that I'm staking my entire faith on. And then he goes on and says, makes a very exclusive statement in verse 12. He says, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. Point number one, if you're taking notes and I hope you are, Christianity is exclusive. Christianity is exclusive. Like it makes exclusive claims like we see Peter making here. For there is no other way by which men can be made right with God, really? 
Like, is that true? And our culture is, today is much like the culture Peter was living in. For you say that there is only one way to God. And people would say, no, man, that's just too rigid of thinking. Like, you need to get outside the box. Let's get all along. Let's just get along. Can we just not coexist? You know that bumper sticker? And I, I guess you have to ask yourself, what do you mean when you, when you say coexist? Do I mean, hey, we should accept people? We should love people? Absolutely. But if we, should, if, if we think that, hey, um, man, we should just think that all religions lead to the same place, that's where we would draw the line as Christians. See, the Roman Empire was a pantheon of gods, very pluralistic, much like our day. They were okay with you having your gods and you having your gods over here. But as soon as you said, hey, there's only one God, that's when they raised hell. And so you want to divide a room? Just give God a name. Say, Jesus is God. This is why we can't uh, pray in schools anymore in the name of Jesus. If we pray, it's got to be an all type of faith type of prayer. And we just need to generalize God as God. Listen, I, I don't believe that we're becoming a godless nation. Like I believe we're becoming a nation of many gods. Like I don't believe we're becoming a godless nation in, 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 in America. I just believe we're becoming a nation of many gods. And, and here's what I mean by that. The temperature and climate in America is much like the climate uh, of Rome where, where Peter was put on trial. So you have this pluralistic culture, a culture of many gods. And when Peter stands up and says, hey, there is no other name under heaven by by which men may may be right with God. And that name is Jesus. That's when people start having problems and saying, Peter, you have your thing. We have our thing. Let us just get along. Like, why do you have to specifically call out who that God is? And, and, And so, you know, at the end of the day here in America, yeah, you're God. You might not claim Jesus. You might not claim uh, Buddha. You might not claim Islam. But listen, your God might be sports. Your God might be money. Your, your God might be food. Like it just looks differently. Or, or your God might just be in the, more of the secular humanism route where you just become your own God. I, I don't believe that we're becoming a godless nation. I believe we're becoming a nation of many gods. And listen, you've probably heard this argument before but you have never heard that all roads lead to the same conclusion from someone who's really studied the different faith systems. And I would contend that not every religion, and I would contend that every religion and every major belief system at its core is exclusivity. Let me explain. We'll start with Islam. This comes from the Quran, the holy writings of Islam. Directly from the Quran, it says this, and whoever seeks a religion other than Islam, it will never be accepted of him. And in the hereafter, he will be one of the losers. He will be one of the losers. Like that just seems pretty exclusive. It also says in the Quran that they have certainly disbelieved who say that Allah is Christ, the son of Mary. Allah has forbidden him in paradise and his refuge is fire. This feels pretty exclusive to me. I mean, it goes on and says, hey, basically, hey, if you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, then uh, your your eternal destiny is hell. Says it pretty plainly. Let's go to Hinduism, which many believers are are, are people that uh, think about Hinduism, the, the belief of Hinduism, and even people that have looked into Hinduism says it's a very inclusive religion. 
This comes uh, directly from the Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, the holy writings of Hinduism. This is Krishna, one of the Hindu gods speaking, and this is what he says. Those who are without faith in my teaching cannot attain Krishna or, uh, in other words, enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in my unmanifest form. All beings exist within me. So he basically is saying, hey, if you don't accept this, this view, then you don't exist. And, and we know that um, Hinduism, they have a different uh, outcome, a different uh, heaven. They don't even believe in heaven. They believe in reincarnation. They believe that you'll come back to life as an animal or, or, or another person. Then there's Buddhism. Buddhism says this from the holy writings of Buddhism in the passage, oddly enough, titled, entitled The Way, which quite frankly, that's what Christians called themselves. Early, early on, they called themselves The Way. It says, in, in, uh, it says this, Buddhism is the only path, feels pretty exclusive. There is none other for the purification of insight. Walking upon this path, you will make an end of suffering. Like that, that, just, that just feels pretty Exclusive. Then you go to Judaism, the Jewish faith, and it expresses itself in the concept of chosen people. Like the Jews believe that they are exclusively God's chosen people. You see this idea of exclusivity again. And so all these faith claims have exclusivity written at the core of who they are. And so when we pull up to the Christian faith, like it shouldn't surprise you at all that at the core of the Christian faith is exclusivity. Turn with me to John 14, verse six. Jesus makes an audacious claim. And this is what he says in John 14, six. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, he's saying, hey, there's no, one, there's no way else to interpret this. Like he's saying, hey, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Very exclusive. No one gets to God except through Jesus. Jesus is not saying he's a way. He is saying he is the way. And what's crazy here, here is all religions contradict each other. So, they, so to say they're all right is to say they're all wrong. Like, let me say that again. All, all religions contradict each other. If they're saying they're all right is to say they're all wrong wrong. And so this is where we have to, man, use our, our brain. Like, man, when, when you follow Jesus and you examine the evidence, like it's not like some lobotomy where you just uh, check your brain at the door and, and you, it's not brain surgery. Like you, you actively think about what is at stake here and the evidence that we have. And so if someone says all religions are right, they speak from a position of ignorance. Like I don't mean to be insulting or, or rude in any way. It's just a fact. All religions contradict themselves on the basis of exclusivity. And so what we've done in our culture is we've just watered down everything and we've gotten drunk on tolerance. I mean, we've just watered down everything and just gotten drunk on tolerance. Let's just, let's just accept every way. Uh, let me explain it like this. Uh, we, I, I was quarantined for and many, like many of you too. I mean, just the expectations of the CDC and what's coming out. And uh, there was a moment where I thought I actually had it, uh, but that I didn't, but I was quarantined. And, and many of you, man, you've been laid up in your house and hanging out and having a lot of time. And, and, and so what I know about this season is that when I get outside of the season, like I want to get out. 
Like I wanna go explore something. Like I haven't even uh, been able to vacation or, or go hang out anywhere. And, and so imagine with me, imagine with me that, um, that the CDC comes out and they said, hey, everything's good to go and, and uh, things begin to open back up and uh, the coronavirus, man, and there's, there's no trace of that anymore. Like our, our nation is healed pretty much, right? And, and I'll just be honest, like, hey, one of the first things I'm gonna do it's like, I'm gonna buy a plane ticket. And so imagine you bought a plane ticket and you're like, hey, I'm gonna go out to, uh, I'm gonna go to Destin, Florida. That seems like a pretty good time of year to go to the beach, white sands, clear water. Man, we're gonna go to Destin. It's gonna be amazing. And so you get your ticket and you show up to the airport and you begin to um, look for your ticket and you can't find your ticket anywhere. And, and you, you, don't, you don't know where to board. You don't know what plane to get on. And, and I come up to you, I see that you're distressed, right? I see that, man, you're, you're, uh, you're freaking out. And I just come up to you and I, and I just say, hey, uh, hey don't, don't worry about it. I, I see that you're stressed. Hey, don't, don't worry about it. Just jump on any one of these planes, go to any terminals and whatever plane you get on, it's gonna take you to Destin, Florida. Like you're gonna get there, it's gonna be fine. And in that moment, like, man, you're, you're, you're thankful. You're, you're, you appreciate that I've given you a solution and, and um, but, but, but what happens is you get on the plane and you're not that appreciative because you end up in, let's just say you end up in China, right? And at, at the end of the day, you end up there. And, and when you get there, you're gonna, you're gonna realize that one of the most unloving things that I could have done is just told you, hey, there's just any way, just pick a plane, get on. That would be very unloving. And, and you would find out that I'm a liar, and so my whole point in this illustration is I'm making here is that all religions can't be true. And, and, and it's unloving to say they're all true. It's unloving to say they all lead to the same place because religions are exclusive. Christianity is exclusive. Jesus is exclusive. So here's the, here's the dilemma that we find ourselves in. If every religion claims to be right, how do we know which religion is right? Great question. Uh, I wanna take the, the next few minutes that I have to unpack this and to share with you why I believe and why we believe as Christians that it is really the one true religion. Point number two, if you're taking notes, Christianity is the most inclusive. Christianity is the most inclusive of them all. Wait, bro, you just told me that Christianity is exclusive. So how can you now tell me it's inclusive? Here's what I mean by this. There is one way, that way is Jesus. But that one way is for everyone. It includes everyone, no matter your past, no matter your family, no matter your upbringing, no matter your socioeconomic status, right? Like it's for everybody. No matter your current religion, no matter if you're rich or poor, whether you're red, yellow, black or white, it is for everyone. Like we find at the core of Christianity, this verse that is familiar with most of the world. I mean, we see signs of them holding this verse up in the end zone of football games. And the verse is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Not whoever behaves, whoever believes, not whoever looks a certain way, not whoever does enough deeds, but who believes seems inclusive to me. 
Christianity created the most inclusive community. Greeks, Greeks and Romans didn't mix rich and poor, but Jesus did. Jews didn't mix races or nationalities, but Jesus did. Paul would pick up on this in Galatians 3.28, where he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor neither slave nor free, nor there's male nor female. You know how women got their rights? It was through Christianity. He says this, Jesus says this through Paul, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is the ground at the foot of the cross is level. In other words, we all come into this place imperfect people with real problems and Jesus extends to every single one of us the grace and all, everybody who walks planet earth, there's an invitation and an opportunity to life and life abundantly because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Paul would say in Romans 10, 13, for everyone, that seems really inclusive, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the only religion on the planet that wherever you are right now in this moment, you can, you can sit and cry out to God based on what he's done for you. And he will grant you forgiveness and eternal life forever and ever. It's not based on what you do, but it's based on what he's done. See, I challenge you tonight, like when we finish up, like just jump on Google and, and, and just Google this. How do I... Um, how do I convert to Hinduism? How do I convert to Buddhism? How do I convert to Islam? Here's what you're gonna find. At the core of all these religions, it's, it, it's, you're gonna find you have to do these things. At the center of these religions, you're gonna have to strive to walk this path, to hold up these pillars, to pray for forgiveness in this direction for this many times a day. You're gonna need to take a pilgrimage to a place. You're gonna need to do these things. And then maybe you can get to heaven. So you see, it's all about striving. Why? Because religion breeds insecurity because you never know if you've done enough. But a relationship breeds security. And a, a, a relationship that's marked by unconditional love. And what you find is that when you die, if you're pursuing one of these other religions, you stand before whatever the God is and he will determine whether you've done enough. And that just seems exhausting, friends. That seems crazy to me. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus says to me, Count, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will put you to work. No, he says, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Think of it like this. I have uh, two little girls. I call them my muchachicas. I love them. I have uh, a four-year-old, almost a four-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, Camille and Isabella. There they are. Camille's uh, almost four and, and Isabella's about to turn two. And so imagine, um, imagine my four-year-old Camille who loves to sing and dance comes up to me and says, daddy, daddy, do you like how I sing and dance? Is it enough to be a Jones? And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? And then she comes up to me again and she said, daddy, daddy, do you love my painting? Is it enough to be a Jones? That's our last name. And I'm like, baby, baby, what are you talking about? Of course, of course it is. You're my daughter. I, I was there when you came into the world. I know more about you than you know about yourself. Baby, you don't have to do anything to earn my approval. I love you based on who you are in our relationship. You're my daughter, not because of what you can do for me. And some of you, man, you have a really skewed view of the God of the cosmos, 
of who Jesus is because um, you grew up with a father who only affirmed you when your performance was at an all-time high, who only loved you when you could perform and, 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 and get all the A's or, or, or you performed well on the, on the, on the uh, sports field or the court. And some of you have a really skewed view of God because you don't see God as a loving father. You see God as someone that wants to strike you down with lightning every time you fail. And so religion breeds insecurity of asking the question, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough now? Am I good enough now? And my relationship with my daughter is built on unconditional love. Like she doesn't have to do anything for me to love her. And when she gets it wrong, daddy steps in. And yeah, I rebuke, I discipline. But I say, baby, I do that because I love you. Not because I'm out to get you. And my love isn't gonna run out because of who you are. Not because of what you do or don't do. And in the same way, this is a picture of our relationship with God. And God loves you. All of us are invited into this relationship. You see, Christianity is a story of a God who wants a relationship with you and I, that we, we, we rebelled against the creator and we pursued created things above the creator himself. And he came down over 2000 years ago in the form of a babe, Christmas. And he grew in wisdom and stature. And he lived the life that you and I could never live. He was perfect in thought, word, and action categories that I fall into every day. And because of that, it made him the only eligible one to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. And on the cross, all of our sin was poured out on him. And he soaked up every last ounce of God's wrath, the wrath that should have been poured out on you and me. Why? Because of our sin. For the wages of sin is death. See, he died the death that we deserve. And we get the life that he deserved. It's called the great exchange. It's a beautiful picture of redemption. Christianity is the only religion where we find a God who suffers. Every other religion says, hey, you have to suffer to get to God by doing X, Y, or Z. You see, religion breeds insecurity because you never know, how, you never know if you've done enough. But an unconditional loving relationship breeds security. And so this is where I would differ with those people who say Christianity is a religion. I would say, no, it's not. At the heart of Christianity, you will find a God who is crazy about you, who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. The God of the, com the, combo, the cosmos <laughs> wants to have a relationship. I just think that's crazy. Like when I try to wrap my mind around that, it just seems wild that I don't have to do anything for this relationship that's already done on the cross. He said, it is finished. It means you can't do anything else. And so how, how, how would you want the God of the universe to pay for your sin? I would argue that anything less than Jesus dying on the cross would lessen our ability to see how much Jesus loves us. Anything less than Jesus dying on the cross would lessen our ability to see how much he loves us. I mean, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. Do you know this God? 
His name is Jesus. In closing, remember how I opened up uh, with what's the way forward for our country? I mean, people are coming out and debating and saying, hey, this is the way, this is what we need to do to reopen the country. Hey, we need to keep everything closed. It's not over, it's gonna get worse. And so people are saying, how do we restore the things that are broken because of this pandemic? And the truth of the matter is this, we're gonna have to have a cure or or, or some type of vaccine to restore the havoc that's been caused by the coronavirus. And so I say that because in the same way, Jesus is our cure. Like Jesus is our cure. Spiritually, left to yourself, left to myself. Man, we're going to shipwreck our life if you haven't already. You have to bankrupt your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, that there's a way that seems right to man, but that way ends in death. And I've experienced that. That same year, 15 years ago in my college apartment, I was playing college baseball, chasing everything underneath the sun, only to find out I couldn't grab onto anything. It just like I was chasing the wind. And for so long, I would compare my life to the rest of the world. And when you do that, you can always find someone worse than you, which gives you security in the fact that you're not that bad, right? And so like some of you, frankly, tonight, like you, you just don't see a need for Christ because you don't see your depravity. You don't see your sin for what it is in light of a holy God. You've never experienced the God of the universe who came for you and I, died on the cross. Scripture says in history record that he defeated the grave, Easter, right? That's what we celebrate. And he says, the ball's in your court. What are you gonna do with Jesus? When he showed up, he reset the calendar. You know, the calendar that's on your phone right now? He reset the calendar. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. What are you going to do with Jesus? The message of Jesus has stood the test of time. We're still talking about this God today. He's still changing lives. Even tonight, some of you are going to have your life altered for all of eternity because God is moving in your heart. It's nothing that I've said. It's the God of the universe that's speaking to you right now. Do you know this God? Let me pray that you would tonight. God in heaven, would you do what no man can do? And would you have your way? And God, would you allow people to see who you are? Allow them to see the beauty of of what you've done that there is no other name under heaven in which men must be saved. The name of Jesus. May you do what you've always done. May you arrest hearts in this place. And those that are watching online, would you have your way? God, we love you and we worship you now in song. 
Christ's name.